the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome. You are listening to Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston, New England's oldest African-American church. Hope and Faith Ministry features the inspirational sermons of my father, Dr. Wesley Roberts, Senior Pastor at People's Baptist Church. We're so glad you're here. Dr. Roberts has a powerful message of hope and love for your life and mine. Now enjoy this broadcast of Hope and Faith Ministry, brought to you from People's Baptist Church of Boston. Good morning, People's Baptist Church family. And good morning to our friends and guests who have joined us for this live stream worship service, coming to you from our historic sanctuary here in the city of Boston. The title of the message today is Our Duties to One Another. And I've been stuck in in First Peter for some time and I'm not certain yet when I will finish First Peter. But we are looking at First Peter chapter three, eight through twelve that was read for us by Reverend Wright. Some people are easy to get along with. It is easy to love people like that. But what about people who are always putting you down, always talking about you behind your back? You say, Lord, I know we are supposed to love one another, but can we make an exception in this case? How am I supposed to love someone I feel like strangling? How am I supposed to get along with someone who doesn't get along with me? The Apostle Peter is writing to Christians who were wondering about the same things. They had been driven or forced from their homes hundreds of miles by the Emperor Claudius. They were struggling to survive in a world that wasn't very friendly toward Christians. They often found themselves in direct opposition with the world in which they lived, and this often led to conflict and persecution. Worse yet, Christians often found themselves in conflict with one another because they were ignorant of the teachings of God's word or they just ignored it altogether. This is why it is important that Christians do more than talk the talk, but must be able to walk the talk. And it is in this passage of scripture that Peter instructs us how to do that. And so first Peter says, live in harmony with one another. First Peter 3.8, finally, all of you should be of one mind, sympathize with each other, 
love each other's brothers and sisters, be tender-hearted, and keep a humble attitude. Now, the Apostle Paul also gives similar instruction to the believers at Corinth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10, Paul says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church, rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. And Paul also tells the Philippian Christians in Philippians chapter 2, 1 and 2, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Now, for most of us, being of one mind is what happens when you agree with me. (laughs) But that's not what Peter or Paul has in mind. They're not calling us to agree on everything. That's not possible, nor is it desirable. In the church, we disagree on many, many things. We could start a huge argument over politics, who to vote for, or what political party is the the best for the country, or for us as a people. Or we could um, talk about television shows, which shows, you know, we should watch. Or we could talk about the worship style, whether uh, we should use hymns or contemporary um, music about the books we read, the best way to discipline our children, how to spend our money, what do you tithe on the net or the gross. The list of things we disagree on would uh, be very long indeed. Peter is calling for unity, not uniformity. We don't agree on everything, and that's okay. In the early church, they disagreed over eating meat offered to idols, keeping the Sabbath, whether or not drinking wine was acceptable. Disagreements among Christians are nothing new. We don't all have to think alike or act alike, but we have to be like-minded. And that can only happen if we have the same focus the Lord Jesus Christ. The church is the body of Christ and in Christ, and with his power, we can rise above the things that divide us. In Christ, we have a unity that transcends secondary issues. We can disagree on many things and still live in harmony with one another if we keep our focus on our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. But there are some qualities that promote harmony. And the first quality mentioned by Peter is be sympathetic to each other. The word sympathy literally means to share someone's feelings to understand what they are going through. It means to share the joys and sorrows of those around you. 
A local church body is like a family. To be a family means that you know each other and you're involved in their lives to some extent. Sadly, we are living in an age where too many Christians think that a church is just a place they go to worship when it is convenient. To Peter, the church is like a family that shares life together in good times and bad times. Paul puts it like this in Romans chapter 12 and verse 15. He says, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. You can't do this if church is only a convenient pastime because you'll never be able to relate to one another personally. What a blessing we miss when we don't allow others to share the joys and sorrows of our lives. I've learned over the years that words don't matter nearly as much as the fact that you cared enough to be present with people in their moments of crisis. Sympathy is the revelation of your heart to others. But a second quality of harmony is love one another as brothers and sisters. Paul also addresses this in Romans chapter 12 and verse 10. He says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 13 verse 1 says, keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Now the word brother in Greek means one born from the same womb. We are to love our Christian brothers and sisters because we are all born from the same womb by the Spirit of God. You see, if you, if you grew up in, in a family of brothers and sisters, you probably fought each other from time to time. But if someone outside the family was picking on your brother or sister, you'd say, get your hands off my little brother uh, or sister. No one messes with my family. No, that's what brotherly love is. It doesn't mean we'll never fight. It doesn't mean we'll always agree. But when our brothers and sisters in the Lord need us, we are there. We are supportive. We are loyal. We are a family of faith. When a member of the family is ill or in the hospital... We pray for them, we visit them when permitted. We can't do that as a result of COVID-19 now, but we can send cards, we can send text messages. And when they um, are out of the hospital or better and join us again, we celebrate their presence. Loving your brothers and sisters means caring enough to come to their assistance when they need your help. A third quality of living in harmony is showing compassion toward those in need. Peter calls Christians to have deep emotions for those in need. Compassion means that you are moved so deeply that you are moved to action. It takes courage to care enough to get involved in the needs of others. 
we must fight against the tendency to ignore the needs of our brothers and sisters. As John tells us in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 17, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? You see, it is always easy to make excuses and and uh, even easier not to see those who are hurting in our midst. In the normal course of life, we need to be careful about what we say and do to others. If someone doesn't need, if something doesn't need to be said, and if what you are going to say to someone is not going to lift them up and be an encouragement to them, then you are better off not saying anything at all. There are a lot of walking wounded Christians today who have dropped out of church because of unkind comments that could have been avoided if Christians would simply apply God's word to their talk. When we show compassion to our brothers and sisters in Christ, we are maintaining harmony in the church. But a fourth quality that promotes harmony is the practice of humility. There will be harmony among Christians when there is humility and when we put the needs of others ahead of our own, which I know is difficult. But listen to the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 2, 3, and 4. Paul says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others also. Humility is not thinking less of yourself than you ought True humility involves not thinking of yourself at all. What are we anyway? We are nothing but children of dust. We are here for a little while and and then we are gone. When we find ourselves thinking that we are irreplaceable, we need to stop and remember that if the Lord made us, he can make another to take our place. Humility isn't about making yourself look bad while others look good. It is not making yourself look any particular way. Humility means enjoying the freedom in God to come down to where you ought to be. Now the second duty to each other, the first is to be in harmony with one another. But the second uh, duty is bless and be blessed. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you are called so that you may inherit a blessing. This verse contains a negative and a positive command. First, we are not to retaliate when we are attacked. Now, the temptation to respond in kind must have been overwhelming for the persecuted believers who were the first readers of this letter from Peter. 
As a hated minority, they were sometimes called Christian dogs. And it would have been very easy for the Christians to reply, I may be a Christian dog, but you're a pagan pig. (laughs) Peter says, don't do it. Don't respond in kind. Don't return insult for insult, curse word for curse word, or threat for threat. It's hard for us not to retaliate, especially when we watch someone uh, hurt those that we love. But our Lord says we are not to retaliate no matter how angry we may feel. But the second thing about this is that we are to bless those who mistreat us. Now this is much harder to do. It is possible in our own power not to return insult for insult. By the exercise of self-control, we can mumble to ourselves under our breath, I'm not going to take a swing. I'm not going to swear. I'm not going to throw anything. I won't let him or her get to me. But that's not enough. In our own power, we will never bless those who hurt us deeply. Only God can do that through us. Listen to the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 6 and verse 27. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Love is more than what you don't do. Love moves from the negative, do not retaliate, to the positive, bless and pray for. It takes God's grace to to pray, Lord, you know these people and what they have said and done. You know how angry I am at them and how I don't care to be around them. I ask you to ignore my feelings and bless them in spite of how I feel. When insulted, how do you respond? When you receive a letter or an email or text message that makes you angry, are you quick to write an angry reply? When someone makes a false accusation against you, do you find a way to get even? Do you live in anger or bitterness toward others for days on end and perhaps for weeks and even months? If so, you need to hear what God is saying to you through this passage of scripture in 1 Peter chapter 3. But the third duty we have uh, towards one another is to pursue peace when possible. Pursue peace when possible. First Peter chapter 3, 10 through 12 says, For the scriptures say, If you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. 
Now, these verses are a quotation from Psalm 34 that Peter is is, um, presenting here. Peter isn't promising that by doing these things, your life will be all happy and peaceful, and um, you will get whatever uh, you, you desire. He's saying that that we should, all, all he's saying is that we should always seek to live a peaceful life with those around us. You see, God knows us better than we know ourselves. He's aware of the frustrations that we have to deal with. He's aware of the dreams we have dreamed even when everyone doubted. He's aware of the fears that trouble us and the joys that fill our heart. He knows our disappointments and the heartaches that have come our way. He knows you and he knows me. He sees us and he loves us. And in the midst of all that, that which complicates our lives, remember the eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. And because of that, be assured also that his ears are open to our prayers. In order to live the way God wants us to live, we need a certain view of ourselves, a certain view of God, and a certain view of our enemies. The proper view of ourselves and of God comes from Romans chapter 5, 8 through 10, where Paul says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Before we came to Christ, we were all God's enemies. Not some of us, but all of us. Though we did not see ourselves that way, that is what we were, enemies of God according uh, to the scriptures. But one day, while we were running away from God, he caught up with us, brought us to our knees, gave us new life and gave us a heart to believe the gospel. And in one shining, amazing, supernatural moment, we were enemies no longer. We were strangers no longer. Suddenly, by grace, we became children of God. This is the miracle of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we had a million years and a million lives, we could never repay God for what he has done for us. We could never, we could never give enough or pray enough or work enough to repay God for what he has done. Our indebtedness and our gratitude will last for eternity. But there's one thing we can do and we must do. We can do for others what God has done for us. We can love our enemies the way God loved us when we were his enemies. Do you have any enemies? Are you surrounded by people who take you for granted and seem to take pleasure in hurting you? Don't give in to anger. Don't give in to despair. Instead, give thanks to God for your enemies. 
I know that's difficult. God sent them to you for a reason. They didn't come into your life by accident. God means to use your enemies to help you grow and to teach you to trust him. So when you're mistreated, fall on your knees and give thanks for your enemies. Name them one by one. Give thanks for them one by one. Ask God to bless them one by one. Your enemies are God's gift to you. Remember you serve a God who sees all, who hears all, who knows all. Nothing escapes his attention. He's above all and beyond all. He's a supreme authority over everything and everyone. All power belongs to him. He speaks and it happens. He commands and it is done. And the day is coming when every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess not only that he is the only God, God Almighty, but that he, his son Jesus Christ, is the King of kings and Lord of lords to the glory of God the Father. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah. Pilgrim in this, through this barren land, I am weak, but thou art mighty. Hold me with your powerful hand. Bread of heaven, bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Feed me till I want no more. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us here at Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston. We pray that you have been touched and inspired by today's message. People's Baptist Church is a Christ-centered, caring church located at 134 Camden Street at the corner of Camden and Tremont Streets. Our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. You can reach us at 617-427-0424. Come visit us in person or on the web at www.pbcboston.org. And tune in every Saturday morning at 1030 for another inspiring message of hope and faith.